are you getting used to doing your podcast in your bathroom with me? Yeah. Now I'm thinking, why are we, why do we ever go in the studio? Why did we, I mean, <laughs> as long as we have Max with us, we don't need, we don't else. need a physical space, right? <laughs> like we could be anywhere in the world and still be doing our, our podcast, I, which is great. And I think the cool thing about that is that, you know, we had, we, we had our tour set up for salon symptoms. We were going to travel around the U.S. like we usually this, do. Yes, this was our third uh, global tour, technically. Yeah. And we were going to travel all over the place and see all of your lovely faces. And obviously, that tour has, you know, we've rescheduled all our in-person dates to the end of the year. And we but, stopped new classes. But yes, hit us with the good news. But we want to still see everyone's lovely face. And so like everybody else right now, we're trying to think, we're trying to pivot and think, how do we still bring education to people that want it? How do we still connect with our audience from wherever they are? And obviously, thanks to Zoom, everyone can, thanks to Zoom that we're using right now, uh, everyone can connect with us. So we are actually launching May 1st, our Salon Symptoms virtual online live course. It's the first one yep. that we've ever done that's live and global. We're doing an online tour, which is really cool. There's going to be a few dates. Um, the first one being at the end of May. Mm-hmm. And then May 31st specifically. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to focus on that. So if you were someone that wanted to be a part of our tour and see us in the class, you can still have that experience. It's just going to be digital. Yes. There virtually. Are, there are- the class, all of our classes have always been divided into two parts. We have the morning part, which is for all salon professionals. And then we have the afternoon session, which is just for leadership. So if you want to know more about those ticket types and how to purchase them, you can just go to destroythehairdresser.com slash salon symptoms. And you can see all the breakdown there. I'm going to be hosting. Mm-hmm. The, the You'll be launching the first class. class. So if you have questions... You can see them on the website. There's a video of me even explaining even deeper what you're going to get, how to purchase the right tickets and how to connect. And I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. I'm so excited to to launch that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, virtual education, mm. our next guest is becoming a little bit of a face of that, which is really I cool. I'm so excited to introduce Jane from Edo Salon. She's with us today. Hi, Jane. Hi. <laughs> You're all Welcome. the way in California, right? Yes, I'm in California. Nice to How- hear from you guys. Thank <laughs> you. How are things in California right now? Are they quiet? Are they so busy? What's going on over there? Um, well, I live in the middle of Oakland in the Bay Area, which is a largely populated area. And so when you go out and you try to ride your bike around the lake, there's people yeah, okay, sitting, six, sitting, sitting six feet apart. Yeah, I live right next to Central Park and, you know, we'll, we'll walk our dogs and everybody's been really good about keeping their distance, but on a bright and sunny day, the parks are still like filled with people. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't go to the park. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's a a little like that, but, um, the streets are empty. Yeah. Yeah. In a way. It's eerie, right? Yeah, it's fun to ride bikes around. Yeah. You can really, you can really get in touch with the city. You're like, this is my people. city now. <laughs> totally. How has um, how has the the current situation kind of affected um, your business? I know you were moving, right? You were moving to LA. Yes, later later on in the year. Later, on I was in the planning. Year. I was planning August first. I think okay. everybody it's had still a plan. Might happen. Yeah, still we all had happen. a big plan. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool for, you know, I think so many people know you, but for anybody that doesn't, like, I think you have such a cool story. And I think it would be really cool to share 
you're like anti-story story, you know, if that makes yeah. sense. Tell us and all just, about how, it. How did you become Jane, Jane Matthews that we know now? Oh my gosh, that's such a that's such a long story. It's loaded. I'm old. <laughs> um, well, I guess it. I guess it started with self cutting of my hair. Yeah, um, which you still do, and I love that. I still do. My mom was an artist. She's a ceramicist and an art teacher for years, and my dad was a theater drama drama teacher. And I was in theater, and. Um, as a kid and I loved costumes and my parents were hippies and my mom just always cut my hair and together we just started giving me um kind of like crazy new wave cuts in the 80s. I love that. So cutting your hair is kind of like nostalgic too because it like Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I yeah, see the Cindy that you carried, cut. Yeah. <laughs> you've carried that over with your daughughter, which I see on Instagram a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know what I'm hair. doing better than my mom. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter, my daughter just cut her own hair for the first time. She walked in and she was like, look, mama. And I was like, wow. Right on, sister. Usually <laughs> that would spark parents to freak out. But in our industry, we're like, yes, that's amazing. It was cool. It was like the longest piece on her head. It was the very front corner of uh, her bob that we were growing. And it was like yeah. chunk. And I was like, well. All right, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any attachment to that is now gone. Yeah. <laughs> so you got started kind of cutting your own hair. Your, yeah. Your mother cut your hair. And then when did you decide to make it professional? Um, there was this cool, really cool beauty school that was in the town I grew up in, which is Santa Cruz, California. And there was just all these art students that would go get $5 haircuts there. And all the cool new wave punk kids went to the school. So it was a very hip thing to do was right. go to the beauty school. So I just wanted to be a part of the scene, right? I just wanted to be in, in there. And my whole big dream in life was to go to Haight-Ashbury and become a hairstylist. <laughs> and, you know, my salon is on Haight Street. Right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to, like, really watch. I say dream bigger. <laughs> dream bigger because, you know, <laughs> you will achieve it. <laughs> so I just went to that school and... Um, my, uh, yeah, I just went to that school and I was really turned off at first by supercuts and the different salons coming in and talking about what you could do when you're done with school in the professional the corporation. world, the corporate hairdressing world. And the first time I went to a hair show, I was horrified. I was just like, <laughs> never mind. I'm still, still horrified. I still am horrified. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I've been to exactly two. I went the first time Me I went to beauty school and I went. A couple years ago, which was the first time I ever taught. So the second time I ever went, it's traumatic. (laughs) (laughs) traumatic. It is. It doesn't. And and I think, I think it's cool to have people like the left brain group, like with Aaron and and kind of doing the anti hair shows that that really bring us back. So you, so you were, you were traumatized in school and then where did you go from there? Yeah. I went and worked at a tattoo place and, um, just smoked behind the counter. Smoked. I love it. I had emerald green hair, and I just from smoked. the smoking. From the and smoking. I and I rang up tattoos and piercings and sold Doc Martens and smoked. Oh my god, that's some and people's dream today, right? It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And so I was just kind of doing five. It was I was doing five dollar haircuts on the side, and I don't know. I just realized I needed to move to San Francisco, and I would 
at that point, I was like, well, I should get my license. My friend said, Jane, you can come to work in a bra and that's it in San Francisco. You're like, and I'm I was in. like sign me up. I was like, he said, you can just wear a black bra and like a turban and you'll be just fine. And Did I was like, I never went to work in just a bra, but <laughs> for much. anyone, for anyone interested in the San Franciscan <laughs> lifestyle. That's what it was. San Francisco is, is a pretty naked town. It is. <laughs> it is. So yeah, I, I moved to San, I got my license a couple years after I graduated beauty school and I moved to San Francisco and I got a job in the hate. Um, there was this Japanese you, man. What's that, the hate? Can you explain that for people that don't? Um, hate Ashbury is where, is where, um, the summer of love was like the the central of the summer of love in the sixties. And it was kind of the explosion of the hippie movement in San Francisco in the sixties. And it's called the hate and it was the explosion of Ashbury. It's H A I G H T. So (laughs) hate Ashbury is a really famous corner where Janis Joplin hung out and all the, all the, original like rock bitches from the 60s and 70s <laughs> were all, cool they were grace slick was all up in there they all lived there they all had the grateful dead is from there everybody's from wow. there and it wow. was kind of like this big this big summer of love hippie explosion that happened right there where my salon is yeah that's really cool and then in the 80s it turned to be like the punkest coolest most counterculture place you know it's like the lower it was like it was like the east village yeah yeah but it that was the sense. hate Ashbury. Yeah. That's cool. And then what, so you opened, you got a job on hate Ashbury and then you opened a salon there as well. And then I opened a salon five years later. Yeah. Okay. I, what was, I, what was I the first salon you worked at? Yeah. It was called Zip Zap and the owner was this, yeah, it was, the owner was this Japanese guy in his fifties who was this straight Japanese artist, hairdresser, painter, interior designer. And he would come <laughs> in in the morning. right. That sounds right. You, you would come in in the morning and he would have made these big, crazy lamps out of paper mache and they'd be hanging everywhere. Oh, we had my a ca- God. We, had a ca- we didn't sell product. We had a cash box. And he was just <laughs> slashing through the hair with his scissors, slashing through the hair. And I would watch him and I got it. Yeah. Right. I just learned by watching him. And What happened to Zip Zap? It's still Did there. It, it is? I hired, uh-huh. So I, I took over the place. And because I'm just like that, I'm bossy. <laughs> You're and like, this is he, mine now. Well, he started traveling to Japan all the time, and he's like the Jane. He always called me the Jane. The Jane, you this this you can have this place someday. Oh, that's and nice. I was like, okay. So I just took over. I hired Cree. She was my roommate, as who's now my business partner. She was my roommate. I hired her as the receptionist, even though there was a cash box. <laughs> I hired um, I hired this cute skateboarder that worked on my vintage car, and he worked there and he owns the place now. And I, um, when the, when the owner Ernest Takai, when he moved back to Tokyo, I was going to take over and he sold it. He just sold it to somebody else. So I was like, okay, screw you all up in my own. Yeah. Right. So that's when Ito was born around the corner and the name came, came from ancient Tokyo. Oh, oh wow. interesting. Yeah. What does it, what does it mean? If you don't me asking. It was the name of Tokyo before. It was oh, it was the Tokyo. name. Oh. Of Tokyo. Oh, that's wow. interesting. I didn't know so that. Everything kind of ties yeah. in together from your experience Kinda, yeah. Zips Up to Ito. Very cool. Yeah, we didn't name it after him, but we were really we were really into Japanese anime and Japanese culture and just that when we opened. Yeah. What is sure. um what is Hate Ashbury now? What is it what's the energy that we're not right in this current moment, but 
Like in oh, the, at that point? Yeah, like when you opened and then how has it changed? Because you said it was kind of the summer of love and then it kind of turned punk. Like, well, what's the transformation? Right. Then, it turned, like? then it turned full San Francisco rave scene, took over in 1990, ni- 1991, and all of, the DJ, all of the DJs and all of the electronic music scene were surrounded around my salon. It was oh, like a cluster of the biggest... <laughs> And they, they were these little studios and they were like the biggest names in electronic music that were flying to a B-Sun, flying all over the place. And they were like, my next door neighbor. And <laughs> they were all over us. Like, it sounds fun. It sounds movement. fun, but it also sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like a little block in the Lower East Side. Yeah. You know what I mean? It I was going to say the, the Lower East Side is always pumping normally. Like even yes. in the apartments, you can hear the bass of the clubs, you know? So I imagined instantly when you said that, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it was like that, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of clubs. It was just a lot of record stores Got it. and oh, little, okay. and little recording studios. And then some hair salons were around. More so intimate that was, artistry. That was the nineties. Mm-hmm. And then what about mm-hmm. the early two thousands? What happened? So the weirdest thing about, so where my salon is, is in the lower part of Haight Street. Yeah. And the weirdest part is the upper part, which is like 10 blocks away, but it's just one street, is still the Haight-Ashbury and tourists come from all over the world to take their picture next to that summer of love thing. And it's gotten to be kind of a tourist yeah, a tourist attraction and also lots and lots and lots of dirty, dirty hippie kids hanging out playing, <laughs> selling weed. <laughs> Hanging out selling weed, asking for money. It's like a Not boho the same kind now. of kind of boho, but we'll call it we'll call it like I don't know something else. And then the lower hate, <laughs> the lower hate is now has like seven or eight hair salons. Like they all spawn wow. from each other, and it's little. It's got a couple cafes, a couple pubs, and seven or eight hair salons. But it's weird. It ha- it's the one place in all of San Francisco that hasn't. Been taken over by tech. Wow, it's weird. It hasn't actually like we just got a cup of coffee with a flower on the top in the cream, like just a, like in the last two years. And if you don't have a flower on top of your, if you don't have a design in your cream, like your neighborhood is it coffee? New York coffee. <laughs> it's like you're, you're baby Yoda's in their coffee. <laughs> totally. Well, so are we all over yeah. the place. And so the fact that Lower Hate just got a leaf on the top of their cream in the cappuccino is bizarre (laughs) because it's right in the middle of all of the trendiest areas in all of San Francisco, but it's this tiny little time capsule that's sort of, sort of, it's, it's expensive there now, but it's stayed a little bit quiet, which is cool. And then, and then from there, there's been this, you know, you've kind of blown up. I shouldn't say kind of, you've blown up as this hairdresser who really modernized the shag in, in my opinion. And it's been awesome to see. It's interesting because I used to work for Sally Hirschberger, who <laughs> believes that she is the original queen of yeah. shag. Um, you mean before Stevie Nicks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a cool thing to see. But the, the interesting thing is seeing how she cuts and how you cut, and also your ability to share the way that you cut other people has been so interesting. How did that do you remember like the first person you did that like modern shag on and like when this took off or um, how did it happen? I, the way I cut hair is by carving from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And I learned that definitely at zip zap. And there was a first wave of the shags that were in the nineties. Right. Yeah. Um, pre Jennifer Aniston, pre Meg Ryan, 
Yeah. Um, Amber Valeda, Helena Christensen, after she mm-hmm. did Chris Isaac's video where she's but wearing But they're not wave. even, they don't look anything like yours. Yours has a very specific yeah. texture right. to it. Right, right. But I first, I think I learned how to do that cut in the 90s because by not knowing how to do it, I had to kind of carve piece by piece and hope it looked good. Yeah. <laughs> and I started understanding that it, how the head shape worked. Yeah. Yeah. And how weight removal was the thing to a haircut not looking choppy. Yeah. And shags can look choppy. And so being not being technical was the way and being really visual and kind of carving from the inside out was the way I taught myself how to cut hair because I never assisted. I never assisted. So I didn't get the traditional foundation that I then could break down. I kind of had to start with fully broken down sections and then learn foundation later, which is sort of the way I cut hair is I break everything down and then put it and then kind of put, right. So I didn't have to like (laughs) go through these steps to unlearn it and then get back up. I just kind of started with not knowing. I have to mess it up and then I learn how to do it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. how I learned. We're I big fans of right. 50% destruction and then 50% yeah. reconstruction. <laughs> right. right, right. It's the same idea. I mean, now I have definitely a formula and through teaching, I, I learned one. So there was the first wave, which was very much like everyone was dressed 70s in San Francisco and a lot of girls were wearing the Carol Brady. Mm-hmm. That was a really wispy, really much more exaggerated pre- pre-Madonna, pre-all of those shags that then turned into Jennifer Aniston shag. And then as we kept going, during the first recession, everyone had long layered hair. Mm -hmm. But we did it with a razor kind of carving, carving, carving in. And it was the same idea as the shag I do now, except the bangs were pushed to the side or they were a perfect little moon bang. So it was the side sweat bang and the long mermaid hair. But we never used curling irons. We never did blowouts at Edo. We never did. I everything still, is hand styling, right? Everything is hand styling. And then there was Bumble, which was like, put down your blow dryer, put down your round brush. They did teach that also, but their whole thing was like, whoa, look at us. We don't use a blow dryer and we hand dry everything. And I was already kind of used to doing that. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, phew. Oh, phew. I'm not a <laughs> you're like You're like, good. I got the blow dryer. <laughs> right. I was like, I can do this one. And I, I really, I really had it refined there. I think the first time that I ever truly knocked out the shag I'm doing now, at least the first time I truly remember doing it was a class with Bronwyn in New York at Bumble and Bumble. And it was probably in 2009. Yeah. And you, and that's where you had or your 10. first, that's where you really first kind of, it, that's when I first really did the like, oh, this looks like, um, Marianne faithful. This right. looks like a vintage, <laughs> yeah. these bangs. I still have you, that photo. You were still, you were it's still, cool. you were, you found out what worked. It clicked. It clicked. Yeah. Yeah. And she said something to me that I use all the time. I told her when I saw her um, at Bayou St. Blonde, um, she was there with Sabrina Michaels. um, And I told Bronwyn that, um, who's still at Bumble, she's still the 
you know, creative director or whatever her title is at Bumble, I said to her, Bronwyn, you changed my life with one thing you said. And she said, look at the face. There's always a sweet spot for the bangs on everybody's mm-hmm. face. And that clicked, not just for the bangs, but for the body. Like what length is the sweet spot that fits with that person's body? Yeah. What length is the sweet spot that frames that person's cheekbones? Like what is the person's face shape? And that, where are the spots it should sit that fit? Yeah. And that, which, totally, even, that, which, which breaks foundations all to bits. Yeah. I think everybody yeah. tries to put everybody in a box. Like you're a heart, you're a square, you're a this. And I think it's more of that, like really just looking at each you know, unique person and their structure and their, their whole shape as a, as an individual and then creating around that. Which is what we do with clothing, right? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, nobody's like, you're a pear shape. I mean, a little, but like, you need to wear this. Yeah. I'm like, don't put me in a category. (laughs) It's usually not quite like that. There's, you know, an oval face could have a big nose and no chin. For instance, me, (laughs) you know? Um, You, so you kind of took the shag idea you, it clicked for you, you revolutionized it. And then when did people start just like, I have to learn this from you? When did that kind of- When did education take off? Yeah, when did that happen? Um, there was probably, you know, I, I took classes two times a year in New York with Bumble and Bumble. I was really dedicated to learning more and more and more razor cutting. And we had in-house Bumble classes and we had in New York, the ones in New York were so amazing. We went and we went and we went and we just kept on taking the same advanced class over and over again, getting different educators. And um, I think I felt because I never left, I, in my heart of hearts, I always wanted to leave Edo and go work with the Bumble team. Mm-hmm. And I spoke with them in length about it. And I spoke with different people about it. And I was like, so in my heart of hearts, I always felt like, I, what, who do I think I am as the owner of Edo to go out and teach what I have put together from all of the educators that have taught me? Um, and I also, like my shag sectioning, I straight up got from Nick Orojo from a class mm-hmm. I took from him. I don't razor cut like him at all. But his, and it wasn't even a shag he was doing, it was a long layer, but the way that he pulls all of them forward is my shag sectioning. I, I, I yeah. remember the moment where I was like, oh, I'm going to try starting from the front and doing everything from the front. And um, it was him. So I took everything, but I just felt like, what right do I have? I'm not a certified, I'm not a this, I'm not a that. And so when people would ask me on Instagram, I would always you know, say, I'm sorry. No, I only teach my own team. And I had been teaching my own team for years and years and years. I'd been doing demos for my team. I'd been leading all of my stylists through the education program. I had been like for sure the creative director behind everybody who went on the floor at Edo with my business partner for the beginning. I wrote our education program because I never had one um, (laughs) myself. (laughs) Um, That was interesting. My business partner, Cree, was the first one to go through it. Um, she <laughs> wasn't a hairdresser. She and you're wasn't still a hairdresser so when we started Edo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so when I started educating, was like I kept getting asked over and over again. And then finally, 
um, harebrained reach out to me and asked me to do a shag on stage. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> here we that go. Was a, that was the second hair show I ever went to in my life. <laughs> yeah. The first one being beauty school, the second one being on a stage. <laughs> yeah. Good, and that That's was, that was the beginning. And then I refused quite a bit after that until um, Hair Story invited me out. Nice. What, I think what was, yeah, what was that? Why were you so afraid of teaching them? Yeah. Just, just the imposter syndrome of it all? Yes. Yeah. 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 It was totally not about me feeling like, I sat in front of my team of 15 people who were well-trained stylists from all over the country who would move to San Francisco, get a job at Edo, and I would teach them. So it wasn't like they were any different from anyone else I would be teaching when Mm -hmm. they first came to Edo. It was just, there was something about having the right as a salon owner to stand in front of a team of 18 people and teach them what I'm doing. Yeah. And have them all take a model. Then it was justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. And then what would you tell to someone now who maybe has imposter syndrome in their business? But how did you get through it? Or, or did you oh, just push? Oh, I'm not through it. <laughs> you just push through that discomfort. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So you're just comfortable being uncomfortable, hopefully. Some days I feel like I'm a really good hairdresser. Like I've got a thing that's really knacked to me that I have had since I was 11 years old when I first started cutting my own hair. And it's a relationship that I have with the fabric of hair, with bone structure and with humans that I can intuit and it almost just comes out of my body like a sculpture. It's your heart. Part of me thinks that. It's my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Part of me thinks, who the hell do I think I am? What the (laughs) hell do I think I'm talking about? Yep. So how how did I slip in? They're all it's funny because they're all going to find out. <laughs> I see your heart like bleed through your clients and in, and through the people that you touch, and you know, in a positive way because it just goes to show. I I, I truly believe education and being a good educator is not what you know, but like what you feel and how you can teach it right and share it. And you know, even now in this this whole experience that the whole world's in, you found a way to still have your heart go out to your clients. And I think that just goes to show how great of an educator you truly are. And it's not about the knowledge. It's about you really truly caring about teaching this specific thing to these people, which is incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is when, even when you're, when we're mentoring people on business, there's something, and it's the same in hair. It's like, there are some things that I can teach you. And there are some things that if you don't have it, yeah, there's, You're not no, get it. there's no teaching it. And <laughs> I feel like, get it. Yeah. and I feel like watching some of your classes and just being around you, it's like, you're specifically talking to the people that have that thing. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. you don't have that thing. Well, that's specializing, know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and love that you said about yeah. you taking sections from um, Nick Arojo because there's this really great book, David, you know, this book um, called Steal Like an Artist. And mm-hmm. uh, by Austin Cleon. And the whole concept is that everything is a copy of a copy of a copy, right? Nothing is right. actually original because every artist takes something from someone else to create their own unique thing. And I right. think that like, even look at all the people you shared with, they've all taken something from you and created their uniqueness. And I think that's the incredibleness of the our whole industry right now is that we're all, it used to be like, keep it a secret. Don't share your secrets, right? No. And now it's like, everything's all like, Take from me, if take it's, from me, here, if it's have too this. sacred to share, then you need to 
think up something new. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I straight up got my sectionings from Nick Arojo. I got so much of my, of my styling and hand move it, movements from Bumble and Bumble. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they would, they would always do these big images of what they were inspired by in the beginning of a class. Like, this is Debbie Harry. This is, you know, whoever. This is Anna Karina. Whoever they would put up on the screen and explain, like, what do you love about this? What's imperfect about it? They were they were there to help develop the eye, and it, it worked. They yeah, developed. Yeah. They helped me develop my eye, which is now, and my hand skills, which is now what I'm out trying to help other people develop. But there's yeah. also a way to read the hair and how much weight to remove in each section that I think is unique to each one of my students and to me. Yeah, right. and your clients too. You know, yeah, like oh, yeah. how you're teaching them how to style. You're, I mean, in in a sense, we're all educating our clients to be able to recreate what we created for them. So, yeah, you yeah. you can tell you're you have like a signature on your on your haircuts mm-hmm. that you like. I can tell when someone has had their haircut really? by you. Yeah, I can tell when someone's had their haircut by you. There's just there's just like this Jane. It's almost like Kirsten. You Jane literally Matthews, have like wrote your name. The, really? <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really unique. I bet you yeah. everyone yeah. listening feels that the in same. Myself. Yeah, wow. I, I, it's you can just see like Jane did that. Even if Jane didn't do it, it's like that was inspired by Jane. That mm-hmm. was, like it's there, which is really really cool. I yeah. think too. What's what I want to know is, are you sick of the shag yet? Has it taken over your life? I've in had a way? to completely. Oh, it did about two years ago. <laughs> and I I had to completely. Um, so I am that jerk that now chooses my clients. <laughs> That's not a jerk. <laughs> That's not a jerk. You're just successful. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yes, no, yes, no. It's and about not giving away all your energy. I went to a pop up in LA at one point, and I had six Bardo shags. I want that Bardo French girl thing, Jane. I, I heard it six <laughs> times in a row. And at the end, I thought, I didn't do this to be a factory. Right. I never, ever, never wanted to be a factory. Yeah. Right. So um, I had to cut that out and basically explain in a very nice email, please send me your photo if you want to be part of the pop-up. My haircuts are this much. Um. And I understand that I'm going to be choosing a variety of shapes mm-hmm. right. and textures. And so then I, think, I get more curly hair and I get more bobs and I get more well, curly that's hair. Good. I, I think saying, like, I, it's funny you said that I'm that jerk now, but it's like, it's also just that you've gotten to that place that you should be really proud of, I think. I think, I think everyone that's listening, if they're Wants not there yet, that that's the goal is like, I would love to handpick, you know, the hair that I do. And hand, and let's be honest, handpicking the hair that you do makes you a better hairdresser. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of people do hair that they shouldn't be doing. They didn't have a choice. And or they really take kills. everything that's in front of them, which they shouldn't it, be doing. Yeah, it kills right. their confidence. And they're like, I'm not good at what I do. And it's you got to remember, it's not that you're not good at what you do. It's that you're not choosing who you do it on. And yeah. I've learned that just living in New York and doing Fashion Week. It's like, we think Fashion Week is all about choosing the yeah. model that, that's going to be wearing the clothes and, and the, the artist and, and the everything. Yeah. So yeah. I, right. very I think, important. I think getting that place is so admirable and cool. And I, I hope that you don't feel like a jerk. I hope that you feel really empowered by it because I, I know everyone listening is like, that's what I want. I want mm-hmm. to be able to, to choose those people. It used and to be hard. like, <laughs> yeah, it used I mean, to be hard like, to be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Right. No right. Apologies. Lovely, but not today. Maybe next time. <laughs> The goal with artists should, 
it used to be like to hit six figures, right? Like everybody wanted to be a six figure hairdresser. And I don't think that that's the goal anymore because we've met and coached so many students that hit six figures and we're still unfulfilled. So I think the new goal is based off of feeling now. It's about getting to a place where you feel like an artist again, but you are financially successful and the goal isn't money anymore. And I think that's really cool. I think that's a really good shift in our industry. I think young people go through that money worry. I mean, when you're young in the Mm -hmm. industry, you're like, I have to make money. And then hopefully we all hit, I think we all hit some, something happens where like that, hopefully that creative switch kind of kicks on and you're like, yeah, this is what I do. This I think is it's maturity <laughs> too. Yeah. Maturity. Money, <laughs> money is never creativity. I mean, in our business, I mean, you know, Sid, <laughs> yeah. in our business, like culture and creativity has always come before making money, which yeah. has been, you know, a blessing culturally and not a blessing financially. We've talked but, a lot about that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, about getting sick of the shag. One thing I, I, um, I've been traveling the country teaching the shag and sometimes a Bob or sometimes curly for a year and a half now. And the thing is, is that I did my first hands-on class right before, um, we went inside. It was on March 9th. And I saw a bunch of students that had been to many of my classes and they were now doing hands-on. And I realized, oh, like, oh, I really need to be there. Everybody's doing it a little bit light. Like I didn't actually realize how it's different to explain things than it is to get in there, like really get in there and dig away what needs to be dug away. And so I got it. I finally was like, okay, there's more to teach on this. And until I get it like really out there, then I'll move on. I think it's hard. I'm not sick of teaching. Yeah. Like once you perfect something, there's kind of this mental assumption that like everyone got, everyone's got it. Like, yeah, right. and you forget that like, Oh, I, it took me this many years to get it. None right. of these people even have an ounce of that experience. And not that I, they aren't great. Not no. that they're great. But that's, I, when you're teaching anything, I think the more, you know, the harder it is to sometimes remember that the, that no one knows. So when you're like, also, remove- it takes so long to master something, right? Like people take right. the same kind of classes over and over and over again. And every time, get something and new from it. Like removing bulk. It's like that, that's a whole. It's huge. Like, yeah. Like how do you it's like, talk about it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cutting hair, but it's the inside. It's like, it's the same as the lengths. It's just a whole different like area yeah. that is never yeah. ex- explored really all that much. Have you been playing? I, I, have you been playing with any, I'm sure you have like besides the shag, is there something that you've been playing with that you've been having fun? Like, your next level of kind of your creative process. Mm-hmm. So What's it morphing doing, into? So I've been doing Victorian mullets, which is um, a, has a really to me has a, a really um, has a longer bang with shorter kind of behind the bangs in the side bits, kind of above okay. the ear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different silhouette for sure. Yeah. It's much more. Um, I, I just want to say it's much more like Victoriana and right. less kind of. Kind of, it, it's less rocker and it's much more like dandified, if I will, yeah, right. or some such. Um, it's more. It's, it's some such. I think that really describes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's got many, many more flips around the face because it's hugging a little bit more. It's a more and ethereal look. It's more. It's more ethereal, and it's got for sure much shorter hair above the ear, and that pushes everything kind of out. So there's. I've been working with that. I've been doing a lot of bobs with little baby chunky bangs 
Love. And, is, um, is your daughter I'm, the model at the moment? No, she's growing out her bob, but you know, oh, she's, she's, she, <laughs> she cut it she's herself. In, yeah, she's, she's in the transitional side. period. <laughs> so when you move to LA, what what's happening in LA? Like what are what should what should we look forward to there? I'm one hundred percent moving there just to be a part of the community. That's yeah. it. I, uh, what, I, 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 I need to be I love the people there. It, okay. If you could have told San Francisco me that I would love LA. 15 years ago, I would have thought you were insane. <laughs> I love that city. I love the people there. I love the creativity. I think Northeast LA is the coolest place in the country to me right now. Yeah. I've traveled and traveled and traveled, and that's where I am inspired creatively and emotionally. Yeah. New Yorkers have so, a hard time with that. They're like, New York I, is the I best. Know. LA is the best, right? <laughs> so many New Yorkers move to LA as a whole, is a very, very large place. Mm-hmm. So it's like taking a whole bunch of something that's little and being like, this city sucks. But really there's areas that are super incredible. And those pockets are big. Like LA is a huge, huge area. So where I'm moving is just to me, extremely creative. There's, there's so many small designers. The art scene is going off and my brain just feels fired. My brain and my creative juices just feel really fired up by the idea, by, by being there, by working there. Every time I go there, I feel like it's a big warm hug. Just like, yes. Yeah. I feel like my people are there. I feel like my creative partners are there. I just, I feel like where your heart is. It's where you want to be. It's where I want to be. So I'm not doing anything there. I mean, I thought I wanted to open an, an Edo there, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. What do you think our the future of our are, industry? All, all our listeners are just like, what? Is she yeah. Do? <laughs> well, God, what do you think the future of our industry is going to be? What do you think the future looks like for us as artists? I, I think those individual Sola studios, I mm-hmm. think those are going to get packed real quick. Yep. Um, so many people are leaving their salons and quitting and moving and buying. And I think everybody is shifting into the mindset of like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think that's awesome. I think there's this like yeah. whole movement of just like, I'm life's too short. We got to do it now. Well, there's I that. Have, and there's I have just... a different belief. I think that it's also <laughs> going to push people towards commission salons again. Agreed. Because yeah. they need, they, some people want some security, but I just oh, think yeah. commission salons need to loosen up and change a lot. They of need to rise structure. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that, I think you're right. I think there's some people who are like, I'm on my own. I'm going and doing it. And I think mm-hmm. there's other people that are like, I need to have that. Like so many people just got rocked by unemployment. They're like, I don't yeah. work for a company. It's a lot harder to get it. So I just, I think so many shifts are going to be. I have four I think, students buying yeah. salons right now, like four students yeah. about to open salons after the pandemic. And I think I'm so proud because I'm just like, are yes. they opening them with other people in the salon or are they just doing it alone? A little bit of both. <laughs> Some people are just going for it and have a team. Some people have a few people. I mean, never, no one's fully alone, but they might not have partnerships, but they're opening. And I think that's, or they're looking for spaces, you know, and I think that just goes to the setup that they prepared their business prior to this. Right. And mm-hmm. to be able to are still you, go forward in that. So mm-hmm. Gina, are you, are you going to focus on, education then when once you're in LA um online education yeah I was gonna say virtual that's been my next frontier pre-pandemic 
okay. had just I had, I had just filmed more. my first test class. I had just filmed my first test class. Yeah, I don't know that I have really sensitive lungs, and I don't know that I'm going to be comfortable teaching in a room of a hundred people again, strangers Same. that you don't know where they've been or where you know. No, yeah. I think that's the movement Getting on of airplanes our industry all over the place. Yeah. is online education. I mean, how, yeah. how many people have taken advantage of this downtime just to invest in their careers online? And I've been reminding my students of like, make space for this in the future, right? Like make time for this. Like this needs to become our new normal, whether you're teaching or watching um, to incorporate this in our, how we're u- utilizing our time and how we're growing. Yeah. I really, I think, I think before the pandemic, we were all addicted to technology. And I think now it's like, we don't have the luxury of addiction anymore. It's more of like, oh, we actually have to learn how to utilize Mm -hmm. the technology that we have. Right. It's a really different thing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, Zoom. Welcome to Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Zoom is, invest in Zoom stock right now, right? Like, wow. (laughs) But like, the funny thing is it was, it was always there. It was always available. And right we never had the need. So I, I hope that everyone, what a, I think I like asking kind of like what you're learning from the pandemic situation, just because I think it is going to change everyone's lives. What's been your, like, op- I am open our movement, like our moment. I mean, I've been preaching from the very, very moment we went inside that. For instance, I have a friend named Sasha. She's got a pretty big Instagram following. She's a designer. She has a cute hair she calls me and she's like, what is, are you hairstylist doing? Like I have to take pictures of myself all the time. And you tell me to spray a little salt spray in my roots to like make my French Bob cute. I don't do it. Cause I don't know what you're talking about. Can't you just break it down? I will pay for the stupid class, break it down for me. And right. I'm like, Oh, the last two minutes of our service where we show them how to style their own hair, the last they- two minutes. Yeah. That should be broken into a half-hour tutorial and it's not enough as time. a half-hour service. Yeah, right. a service is a service. The other thing is like I'm not going to teach my clients how to cut their own bangs and like make fifteen dollars. And I'm like, that's not a fifteen dollar <laughs> appointment. That's a one-hour appointment, which is a one haircut appointment, which and is a skill. And I think that's why the hourly sensation is really making sense right now, just because at some point, like especially with online stuff, it's like you are paying for that time. Mm-hmm. If even if, if I spent an hour teaching you how to do your, your fringe, then it's not a fringe appointment. It's an hour appointment, like you just said. So right. I, I think we're starting to all learn. Our- well, we should all be charging for our time anyways, right? Right. Prior, yes. Even in person, we should be charging hourly versus, you right. know, per service. I so this is a great opportunity yeah. to elevate that. Yeah. All appointments, virtual or not, are by out by the hour. Yeah, right. and um, I don't know why we're I, putting different values mm-mm. on different things on gender all... or types of services. Oh my like, god, gender it's is obnoxious. Like, no, yeah, you pay for the hour <laughs> that you are with me, and this is what I charge. And we I didn't even talking... know that was still legal. Yeah, I don't think I, it is. It's 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 it is in it's some still, states. Yeah. It is still in some states, but we always say to move into hourly pricing. I think people have so much you know, fear around it. Right. Because it also comes with uncomfortable conversations to stand up for yourself and say, this is what I'm worth. Right. And people have a hard time with that. that, It's that imposter syndrome. It's the, Mm -hmm. who am I to charge this for that? You know, I mean, I've had people 
send me a DM and say, are you charging? And I'm like, I just walked this person. I, am I, are you charging for your tutorials? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I just walked this person for an hour and a half bit by bit mm-hmm. to frame their face. Hair by hair. <laughs> hair by hair to lift the crown of their hair up and cut it. Yeah. With a razor. <laughs> yeah, of I am. course I charge for it. My back is killing me from straining to see what they're doing. <laughs> our, student, well, like our, our students have totally. Been, I, I hear a lot of from our students the nasty text messages that they have mm-hmm. been getting from clients kind of saying like, they're like making them deals such yeah. as, or can threats. you, can you, we'll do all four of my family for this price since your salon is closed and you, and you need the money. Yeah. It's a lot of, That's, what people, it's sick. It's shame crazy. on them. <laughs> it's such a shame crazy. on those clients. That is never worth to, to that. My dignity right there is never worth any amount that those four people could pay me. Well, I mean, not to we, mention your, not to mention your, 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 the well being of your health. Uh, it's really yeah. not okay. It's like, like excuse okay. me. No. <laughs> and then yes, people I'm happy are, to help you. I do virtually. need money, but not your money. So <laughs> people, people have also gotten messages like, just come to my house and like, I'll pay you right. extra. So you have the other side. And then when they say no, people are like, people will say I'll the find same. someone else. Not, no. Yes. But they'll also say this one. It's all about, cause you need the money. Yeah. Like people are kind of have right. this mentality that like all hairdressers need money. Also don't suffering. assume that, that I haven't prepared myself financially for any pandemic. I remind people all the time. I'm like, it's, we should be prepared financially, not just for a pandemic, what if your space caught on fire? What if it flooded? Right. What if you got sick? We should be preparing for any emergency situation, uh, regardless of a pandemic. I hear everyone saying, I have to prepare for the next pandemic. And it's like, no one just that prepare. had the Spanish flu prepared for the next, like we have to <laughs> just prepare in general, right? Right. It's just been so, interesting, the the response from, I mean, people have been saying like, I now know who I want when I go back to work. I now know who I have to get rid of. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you're really seeing people's color, true colors right yeah. now, yeah. which is really interesting. Yeah. I think it's a blessing because I don't, I I needed to pull the, we all need to pull the blinders off, right? To see this. And Listen, I think everyone it's gets exposing to be like, a lot of things. Everyone gets to take a page from Jane's book and say yes and no and pick yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> like we, The pandemic is creating all of us to be more like Jane, which is great. Yes. Well, and the stylists also, you know, who, who has shown up and who has been like really pissed and who's been able to be with grace and trust their leaders and who's been just not graceful. And of course, none of us were graceful as a part of this. I personally feel like my business partner and I did an incredible job being teammates on this. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. We've had had crying, yelling moments, me me yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it through this, you know, and then there's been moments, more moments than not where we're like, you are amazing. Yeah. Like we can't, we can't stop being like, wow. I had no, I, we both stepped up so fast, so fast, which is, was really, it was, it was really amazing to see her. For me, it was amazing to see her like get on it, you know, shut, shut, shut everything down and apply for all of the loans and do, Mm -hmm. do all of the stuff. And for me to be like, oh, hell no, we're not losing our jobs. We're going to teach people how to cut their own hair and I'm going to make a curriculum for it. Yeah. I made right. a curriculum and I did a Zoom education with my staff. That's insane. They learned how to teach people how to cut their own hair for me. I love that. And then we started the, yeah. I mean, it's just a little. It's, it's yeah. just the people who would do it anyway. I, 
And that's the thing is like, everyone keeps saying, oh, don't like, make sure you wait for me. There have, it's like people don't shame people at home for wanting to cut their hair and color mm-hmm. their hair. Like just help them through the process and right. charge for it. They yeah. don't want to, right. but they will. <laughs> yeah. They would prefer to come in, but maybe they're not going to cross town in their gas guzzling car to get four little hairs trimmed out of their eyes right. next time. Okay. Well, that's, that's the thing is I don't think the virtual Great. appointments are going to go away. I think I don't either. I think it's a new, and now you can have a, I, I keep telling people you can have clients from all around the world. You don't Why have are we to wasting be, time to do bang trim? We can expose ourselves less if we can teach this. So there's lots of opportunities. Um, I do have clients all growth. around the world. We've yeah. been heading people. We've been helping people trim their hair out of their face and frame their face and lift their heavy, weighty crowns in Wales, the South of France, Brazil, Argentina. It's incredible. You name it. And it, a lot of them yeah. are like li- living in some remote place where they can't get to the hairdresser anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I, and I keep telling people, listen, if you, if you can walk someone through a haircut, I think it shows that you're more of an expert than just doing it yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's this whole like, oh, it takes away from our craft and it, it's like, no. no, it doesn't. It adds to it. Oh my God. Yeah. It's such a tiny little, it is like, let me teach you a teeny little icing on the cake. That's like teaching your client how to curl their own hair with an iron is taking away from our craft. Yeah. It's not, it's never going to look the same as when we do it. It's never going to be as perfect and beautiful and amazing or feel as good to have someone else to do it. It's All right. There is no difference. Exactly. In fact, Absolutely. I just think it, I think it's so, I think it's therapeutic right now to read. Yeah. Oh my God. And it feels good to be able to so share happy. without, without feeling like you're sacrificing your house. So do you have anything that you, you know, w- want to say to all of our listeners before we wrap it up? Like any sort of just message, if you can leave anything. They, and how can they connect with you yeah. on social media and your classes oh, and things like that? Oh, for sure. If anybody wants to find out anything about me, it's about adding yourself to my email list, which is on my website, which is linked in my Instagram. <laughs> it's what all your, about And your Instagram is what for everybody? It's Jane underscore Ito Salon. Okay. And my website is janematthews.com. And adding yourself to my email list means that around once a month at the most, which maybe hopefully someday I'll be better about newsletters, (laughs) I will send out when something comes up, like I'm doing a pop-up or I need an assistant to do a pop-up with me, or I need an assistant for education, or I'm offering education, online education, whatever. Mm -hmm. I reach out to that email list a lot when I'm looking for a model for something. So a lot of hairdressers want to be my model for a class. That's, that's where they're going to find out. I don't announce it on social media as yeah. much because yeah. I feel like Instagram buries you when you try to like promote stuff. Well, you want the true followers too that are on your email list. Like those people that subscribe to email lists, like really want you, right? They want they're right. Willing. right. So I think those are sometimes more, um, more lucrative of a, of oh, a they're for sure. person they're that like, you want. They're the people that actually would want to hear of what mm-hmm. I'm up to. So that's, that's for sure the place. And okay. we always end with a funny story or a crazy story. I warned her. <laughs> to kind of, just to kind of oh bring God. us all back. Is there anything I'm sure you have? <laughs> or an interesting I'm story sure from your you career that stories. you want to share? You have to. Just the emerald <laughs> hair and the smoking cigarettes was a story. <laughs> um, okay. So... There, I went through a period of time in beauty school and after where I'm five foot four and I really 
like to be taller. <laughs> so it was pre-platform shoes. Like we hadn't discovered them again. It was mm-hmm. sort of the early 90s. And I would wear these big turbans on my head. And they were in velvet, all different colors. I think they were like Victorian scarves that I would wrap around my head. And underneath them, I made hair out of fringe, like silk fringe you would put on a dress. And I wrapped it around my head and I gave it bangs, little fringe bangs, (laughs) because, you know, you have to cut your face out. And I wrapped it on my head and then I would stick a turban, like a headband, and it would come out and I would stick a turban on top. And that's how I walked around. (laughs) To give you height. um, yeah, and I'm still have... 15 years. <laughs> Wait, you have some pictures of, of this. I do not. I might have one. The, here's the thing, you guys. We need to am, see it. I am 47 years old. We did not have digital cameras back then. <laughs> and if you didn't own, they didn't even have disposable cameras. Yeah. So you had to actually you had to have film. own a camera and you had to like pay $10 to put that cartridge in there and then take it to Walgreens and get it developed. And then right. you needed another $10. And then you needed to save the photo, which like probably some friend has. So I may have one at some point, but I used to stick little bottles of vodka inside of my turban. Oh my God. And sneak into concerts, shows, and raves that way. That's brilliant. I would, I would. And when I went to beauty school, I know that I'm sober now, but I really liked to drink. Um, And (laughs) when I went to beauty school, they told me no hats, no hats. And I was like, where will I store my vodka and be taller? It was like, how am I going to, I mean, I looked like Erica Badu, but like a dumb white 19 year old girl. And I was like, it was like true cultural appropriation before we even cultural. It was really not okay. Although yes, it was not okay. And I didn't know. And they made me take it off and I felt so naked. I can't explain the feeling of my hair being exposed. being exposed. And I think I'm still like that. Like yeah, I still feel naked <laughs> without a hat. And so I've been kind of wearing like a beret or a hat much of the time, my entire life because yeah. of some like traumatizing event where beauty school forced me to take my hat off. <laughs> that I wonder if in a past life, so, there was like a head in situation. In a past life, I think you felt yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my interesting story about why I've always got a sun hat or a beret or something on. And I don't always, but I would well, say quite, quite a bit of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's, not that. That, it's not that funny of a story, but I it think is it's a more unique and interesting photo. one. Yeah. <laughs> the photos. I also had a porcupine quill that I wore in the middle of my nose, like a septum ring. Straight across. And I called Jane. it my whisker and I would twist it. I would oh. twist it like a little whisker. And the, some of the photos, it was like off I'm crying. And it was just, <laughs> I'm literally it was crying. not cool. I have oh a lot of picture. God. I have one picture of me smoking a cig with the porcupine quill dancing at a rave with like a feather coming out of my hat. Oh my gosh. Oh. Can you send us some of these? Please, these are, like we have to show people what you're talking about so we can post yes. it. Oh it's my God, too so good. good. Well, I thank you like for being with us today. <laughs> oh my God. Thank <laughs> like, you Like, we have to do me. this again, I feel like. This conversation can't end. I can see her eyes she's, now the stories are turning. Now she's I know. like... We have to do a behind uh, after hours podcast with just these stories. We've been talking about doing yes. it for a long time. So, so I love funny. It. So at well, the end of every... At the end of every uh, podcast, we bring in Max and we yes. hear his wisdom on what he learned as an outsider in Max, what did, oh, good. What did, Max, what did you think about... Jane's stories and talks today. Um, they're pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Max is a fan. (laughs) Yeah, I am. Um, everyone 
everyone has imposter syndrome. And everyone like, has. You, yeah. you have, like, there are always, like, successful guests on this show, and they all have imposter yeah. syndrome. Like why Max gets to see all of them. <laughs> why do we all feel that way? Do you have it, Max? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> it's something I haven't I hadn't heard of I hadn't heard the term until I moved to New York and then I moved like within a week after that I started hearing it all the time. And I was like, Oh, that's what that feeling is. We feel and that it, way because we're being challenged to overcome it. And that's the only way to have true growth is to earn it, right? We can't just be given success. We have to earn it. And, and statistically, so statistically, women have it more than men do. Mm-hmm. And oh, also, and also, if it wasn't bad enough being a woman, you also have imposter <laughs> syndrome. Women. But um, no, there's, they're saying that it comes from the idea that the way that corporate America is set up is that the further up you go, the less mistakes you see being made. And so mm-hmm. your brain starts to assume that everyone above you it's perfect. Yeah. And so how can you grow? Because you don't, you make mistakes all the time. Yeah. The way that that psychologists are trying to change it is that they're trying to have corporate America start to show their mistakes. And then also the solution to those mistakes that Mm -hmm. people, it's kind of like when parents fight and they go another room to make up. I was going to bring that up. Fight and stay in the room show the kid how to resolve the issue. So yeah. it's the same kind of with the, I, the I'm sorry shouldn't be happening behind the door, you know? Yeah. Right. But it's awesome. interesting, but okay. So now we have, now we have our next topic for our next show. Should be imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank oh, you God, again. Yes. It was, Thanks, you know, Jane, we get coming. to see your lovely face, but everybody will be listening to us. So thank you so much for being a part thank of this. Thank you for having it. me. Guys. You're very welcome. And we'll do this again. We say this to all of our guests. Like, we're going to do it again, guys. We yeah. always talk to our guests over and over and over. Yeah. Awesome. We have to have a round table. All right. Have a wonderful day. All right, have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>